hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people. Welcome back to Hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people and the Directors Hub Founders Support Club, Season 2, Episode 5. Today, we are joined by Neil Tomlinson, Aquapax. Now, you might be wondering what this is about. So, the title of this is Bottling It Up. So, did you know 80% of plastic bottles purchased every year end up in landfills, where they typically spend 450 to 500 years to break down into hazardous microplastics, and over 4 billion plastic bottles annually end up in the ocean as a result of rubbish being deposited in waterways by humans. That's astonishingly It is astonishing. um, It's quite frightening when you hear figures like that. Now, I've been really excited. I've been looking forward to this interview all afternoon (laughs) and finding out a bit more about Aquapax because I've actually seen your products on different events I've been to, but I didn't know anything about you as the founder and how it all began. So uh, start from the beginning, Neil. How did you form Aquapax and why? Uh, no, I thought you said at the beginning. <laughs> I, 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 I All right, up, how did you start at the beginning? What, what did you do before? I, I grew up on a beach down on the yeah. east coast of Africa. Grew up barefoot until I went to school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the beaches that I grew up playing on and walking on and swimming on and surfing and later in my, in my, my latter years, my pre-teens and then into my teens, were plastic-free. They, mm. were, they were clean, pristine beaches, the way the world's... Yeah. oceans and beaches once were yeah and um a long story the circuitous journey of life um i had a corporate career where i ended up responsible for tap water quality in the south of england yeah. as a director of southeast water yeah. learned a great deal about water quality and being a detail person started reading the labels on my nemesis these plastic yeah. bottles which were polluting all the rivers and oceans of the world realized that, you know, some of these bottles of water, they contain water with a quality that's so appalling, as a statutory water undertaker, you would by law be forced really? to treat it before you could put it into, wow. the, into the system for people to have a shower with and flush their toilets with. Yeah, it's been put in bottles and people were it's drinking this thinking it bottles. was better for them. The law, and as a, as a legal scholar, <laughs> the, the law is caveat emptor, yeah. let the buyer beware. Yeah. So if you declare on a label what's in it, it's your responsibility if you yeah. choose to drink it. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is not enough people studied chemistry therefore people don't know what nitrates are and so the marketing won over chemistry basically and the facts at times then because i know people think bottled water is you know healthier for them or better for them than tap water but that's not necessarily the case then yeah and people also think that their eyesight is good enough to see contamination mm. and just because something looks clean and pure yeah doesn't necessarily mean that it is. No, I suppose if it's happening at a microbial level, then mm. you're not going to see it unless it's under a microscope or analysed properly, yeah. are you? So all those years in the industry, I spent my time wagging my finger at people saying, drink tap water, drink tap water, there's nothing wrong with it, justifying tap water's position. Yeah. And during that time, the global bottled water market climbed from 2.1 billion bottles per annum to over several by the time, over That's 7 billion bottles per annum by the time market, I left. Well, now it's an estimated half a trillion bottles a year. Gosh, wow. Uh, plastic yeah. bottles are just, you know, they are everywhere. 
They are my nemesis. <laughs> so I'm going to take you back a little bit further now. Where You, you, you said you spent a long time in, in the water industry, but mm -hmm. how did you get into that? Was, did you study chemistry or what, what was? how did you get into that in the first place? No, no, I, st I studied marketing and, okay. ha and had, a, and had a, a, a commercial career. Yeah. And I, I was recruited into Southeast Water as marketing director. Yeah. Um, but in those days, we were regulated company yeah. um we were owned the industry had just sort of been sold off privatized yeah. and we were owned by by a french group a very entrepreneurial okay. group and um i was given the role of commercial director to um the technical term is sweat the assets okay to, to use the know-how and the expertise which we had to generate additional non-regulated income yeah. and um that was my brief okay so, but one of one of the ways in which we could sweat the assets was to use our very very technically capable water laboratories yeah. to do analysis for other companies, and, okay. and we were doing the water quality analysis for several other water companies in the south of England. Okay, yeah. very, it became yeah. a very competitive industry um, with different laboratories yeah. competing with one another for the. Um, technical analysis of their water quality. So that was water companies like Southeast Water or Southern yeah, Water, water those sort of yeah, water boards and Thames stuff. Thames Water, yeah. Seven Trent, yeah. Bournemouth Water, Portsmouth Water, yeah. they were all customers. So you you were working for them and as you said um, uh, wagging your finger and promoting the benefits of you know, saying tap water's yeah. really actually very clean and yeah. fine was, for you. And I was very preachy in those days. <laughs> so how did that go down? Did people respond to it or did you find that you were fighting an uphill battle and people were um, yeah, preferring bottled water over tap water at times. No, it's absolutely an uphill battle. I mean, you know, when when you have a no names, no patrol, but when you have companies spending millions of pound a year telling you that their water has a made up word called vulcanicity. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is that? What well, does that even mean? You spend enough on marketing, people believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's true. So, um, but whereas if they said it's got seven milligrams of fertilizer in it, then people might be less inclined to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Vulcanicity just makes me think of Star Trek and Vulcans and, uh, you know, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? I suppose that's the trouble. It, <laughs> it sounds enticing. So at what point did you decide I've had enough of this and I'm what was your light bulb moment where you thought I'm going to start my own? If you can't beat them, then, it, you know, get the word out about tap water, then, you know, produce a... a, 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 a ecologically sound bottled water alternative yeah. yeah it it was when it became a distraction to my life um, yeah. my wife and i used to do a lot of walking in the days bc before yeah. children yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i would no longer see the sunsets and the beautiful sea scenes i'd yeah. see the plastic bottles and the hedgerows yeah. and it, it became uh, it becomes a bit of an obsession yeah and i knew that I felt that this was my calling. Yeah. That somebody, I'd had the idea when I'd been researching my role, when I was offered the role within the statutory water yeah. industry, and I thought, okay, I've got commercial now, but I don't yeah. know anything about the, the water industry. Yeah. And in researching that role, I had the idea, you know, if, if all this bad press exists about the microplastics and the toxicities of plastics and all of this stuff is known and the scientific journals have been published yeah. for decades. If all of this is known, why doesn't somebody package? And, and I recall having that, mo that question. I've always had a searching yeah. mind. 
the back of my head is flat from my father saying, don't be so bloody stupid. <laughs> um, I remember asking myself the question, I wonder why they don't package it in a, in a Tetra Pak carton. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you know there's this barrier film of aluminium, yeah. very thin aluminium, which stops any contamination. It's an aseptic container, right, which means okay. bacteria-free. Yeah. So therefore, providing what goes in is pure mm. and wholesome, it'll remain pure and wholesome it because way, it's yeah. protected from light and air. Yeah. So I had the moment, and then you get your feet under a desk and the pile of work on mm. the desk becomes more and you have hundreds of staff asking you questions all the time, yeah. and, which is why I started a business with an outsourced business model. Okay. So... Uh, and, yeah, the, the the obsession with somebody needs to do something about this yeah. drove me to leave the comfort yeah. of a corporate employee. Yeah. And you just reached that tipping point when you decided that it was the right time to leave mm-hmm. and to do it on your own and mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. So how long ago was that? When did you set up Aquapax? I... Resigned in February 2006, uh, and I was on a six-month notice period. Um, The company was going through a sale process at the time, so I've never worked so hard in in all my life as those last six months because I was going through a corporate due diligence process. So whereas most people resign and and that's it, they check out emotionally and intellectually and they start their own thing, I registered my company and I was... At company's house, I was the company secretary, yeah. but my wife was the only director okay. because a condition of my employment was that I couldn't be a director mm. of another water company. So six months later, yeah. um, I, I went full time, uh, September 2006. Yeah. So you knew you wanted to use the, the Tetra Packs rather than bottles and, and that. Yep. So um, how, how easy was it to get it established and, and to start building your company? Very difficult. I... I circulated the same brief to each of the carton manufacturers in the world. Yeah. And the only one who responded to the brief was the world's largest packaging company, Tetra yeah. Pak. Yeah. Uh, you wonder <laughs> why they're the world's largest company. <laughs> well, because they respond to yeah. harebrained ideas. Yeah. And they had a package which was suitable for water, yeah. which they'd used years before in Italy for somebody or mm. other. Um, the product hadn't taken off. And they offered me the package. It was a um, the old brick shape. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, I went and met with them and, and embarked on a strategy of which market would be interested in functional water packaged mm. in, in a brick-shaped carton because it has great packing density on a pallet. Very, yeah. very technical stuff. Yeah, I know. It's really important because I remember going down that route with marshmallows once and about how much you could get on a pallet and yep. all this. And then when it stacks on the shelves in the supermarkets and it, it, there's so much involved with it and you don't even consider till you start looking into it. Is there? And you go back to my background, yeah. uh, commercial manager, so everything comes down to doing things efficiently in yeah. order to save money. Yeah. So uh, the the net cost of the package is greatly exceeds plastic. Yeah. I mean, plastic is pervasive in society because plastic is compellingly cheap. Yeah, and that's the reason why we have a problem in the world. It's so cheap as to have no value post use. Right. Okay. So once it's been used for the purpose that it was yeah. bought, in, you know, designed mm. to to be made for and and produced very cheaply. Nobody wants it because yeah. it's, it's cheaper just to make another one. Yeah. And voila, the problem. 
it just keeps growing, doesn't it? As you say, that's the when you start seeing bigger. all the bottles on the beaches and the hedgerows yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, and and uh, people use their marketing budgets to do what I call the greenwash, yeah. to tell you what percentage of plastics are now recycled. But if you draw a chart of recycling, yeah. even with a recycling uptake of 50%, which yeah. it's not anywhere near, yeah. The market is growing at a rate of two hundred and fifty percent. So, so the curve becomes ever wider. Yeah. The disparity between what's being produced and polluting the planet is ever greater. Which is quite disturbing, really, isn't it? That there's all that plastic out there. And I it's keep on growing. telling myself I've stopped campaigning, but I slip <laughs> right back into it. it. It must be really difficult because obviously you're bringing to market a sustainable product, plant-based and recyclable. But with that ex, with that kind of so much plastic, and it's not just the plastic bottles; it's the microplastics, isn't it, that also cause massive issues to ecological systems in seas and things. It is, but you know, I, I feel this talk's done enough campaigning. It, my product is to compete against the higher carbon-emitting products out there. Pollution is something that. I feel is in the too difficult box for me to take on. Mm. And I could spend my entire life working at trying to clean the world's oceans and not make a difference. Whereas I've chosen to show another way to produce a product which gives people people an alternative, a viable alternative, a pragmatic, useful alternative. I've sourced some of the purest waters on the planet to package inside my cartons so that you you overcome the argument, oh, well, I prefer the taste of blah, blah, blah. And, um, yeah, and that's the route that I've gone. uh, Nelson Mandela once said, be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. I believe it's it was him. Or lead, I, I suppose him. you're leading by example, aren't you? you say, yeah. show, as you say, you can show an alternative. So um, where does your spring water come from? You say it's incredibly pure. You've, you've obviously spent an awful yeah. lot of time thinking about that and yeah. making sure that that is 100% yeah. what you want it to be. And I wasn't going to compromise on the yeah. water quality either. I think uh, there's too many, far too many people are parochial about where products come from yeah. at the expense of quality. Right, yeah. Um, so I source my water from under a protected nature park in Germany. Okay. It's just across the border from Holland. It's yeah. 137 kilometres from Rotterdam. Right. And then it comes across on a ferry. And uh, the road miles are less than a third of the distance to the highlands of Scotland, for example. Yeah. yeah. It goes into my warehouse, which is in Peterborough. Yeah. And I carbon balance my entire energy emissions as a business. Yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. Through tree planting. Yeah. Yes, there's something on your website. I was just reading about the the carbon footprint and um, mm-hmm. about reducing your carbon footprint and um, the carbon footprint of your products and stuff. I wonder if you could elaborate on that more and how that um, yeah the one percent thing works. Well, it was a simple a simple way of defining. Well, how, how do we do it? And unless you've got a a fleet of economists to crack the numbers <laughs> I, I just did a simple thing i'll give one percent of my turnover yeah. and um i did that through the one percent for the planet charity yeah. which i've been a member of for 10 years now yeah 
Uh, I will continue with the tree planting. I don't know whether I'll continue doing it under the 1% guys. Yeah. Um, because as the turnover grows, so, you know, we're more than compensating for the number. With the number yeah. of trees we do, we're planting, we're more than balancing the business. Yeah. And that's the intention, is to um, leave no footprints when we're yeah. gone. So you are you a carbon neutral business now? Or is that your goal or...? Um as far as possible, or is it impossible to be completely carbon neutral like that? I mean, the short answer is if you crystallise it once a year, then yes, we are. Yeah. But um, carbon neutrality is, you know, it's one of those things I, I shun because, um, yeah. again, it's the greenwash. Yeah. If you were carbon neutral five minutes ago, then you're not anymore. Yeah. So, well, it's uh, like a snapshot in time. Yeah. Yeah. So each year when you do, you, you file your accounts on the 31st of May, you calculate yeah. all your numbers, you... And then that's how yeah. you, you do it, through an accredited tree planting yeah. com- program where you know that yeah. the trees that you're planting will still be there in future generations. Yeah. yeah. What I love about the, um, the, the product itself is that the whole thing is recyclable. The lid, the carton, everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and majority plant-based, even the lid and the housing for the lid, those are made of sugarcane bioplastics. Oh, wow. And... Those sugarcane um, sources are sustainable in their own right yeah. as well. They're Bond Sucre certified. It's amazing. I, I absolutely love it that the whole thing is recyclable, not just elements of it. Well, when you set out your stall to try and bring about a better change, you're effectively sticking your neck above the parapet. And the one thing I learned about life a long time ago, you stick your neck above the parapet, there's thousands of people who queue up to try and shoot your head yeah. off. I was going to say, what's the reception been from... if you had... Um, comments, shall we say, from other manufacturers, and have you been? How do they treat you, or are you accepted in the water industry? Well, Aquapax is the world's original eco water brand, yeah. packaged in paper yeah. cartons, and uh, we've now got a number of competitors. I'm not going to give them airtime by name. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> of course not. But we remain the original, yeah. and um, and the best, of course. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think the greatest testimony I can give is that my very first customer in the world was Infinity Foods, yeah. the original micro macrobiotic and organic yeah. um, retail and wholesale company. Um, they gave me my very first order, and the last order we got from them was last week, Wednesday. Yeah. So they've been ordering Aquapack since 2006. So they've stayed loyal to, to your brands and your ethos then. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. They're, they are just the yeah. nicest people yeah. to work with. So I know you said you've got some competitors now. Is that, uh, I mean, obviously competitors mean, you know, they're, they're competing against you. But, you know, is it nice in a way that there are people now taking on board this sort of, or are they playing at it? You know, are they really embracing this, um, you know, recyclable, um, doing better for the planet ethos? Well, the packages are comparable, but right. um, the, if you if you look at the front of our carton at the base, underneath the image of the waves that I grew up surfing as a kid, where my name is, yeah. it says a pure thirst for the environment. Yeah. And if you go back in the talk this afternoon to where I mentioned about nitrates and water and yeah. things like that, every word of that foundation of my brand, a pure thirst yeah. for the environment, every word has meaning. Yeah. My competitors are packaging water in paper boxes. Yeah. So um, they're not. I don't speak for their water quality. No, of course. 
And some of them don't even put what's in their boxes. They just tell you it's water. So you're very much looking at the water quality and ensuring that the water quality is, as you said, pure, is really important to you. The source where it comes from is really important so that you can 100% say my water is pure, it's not got nitrates in it, it's not got Mm. fertiliser in it, it's not got bromates, was that what you were talking about earlier in it, and and so on, all those things that it shouldn't have in it, basically. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, And just this year, we've, for the very first time, packaged a sparkling water. We started doing a carbonated water. Yeah. And I couldn't do that with a German source. Yeah. Um, One, because when I put carbonation with it, I didn't like the taste profile. So once again, you go on a mission and a road trip, <laughs> and I've partnered with a uh, a very established family firm down in Cornwall. Yeah. And I'm packaging a uh, Cornish spring water. Oh, brilliant! Again, very very pure, yeah. in aluminium cans, yeah. which, as people will tell you, are infinitely recyclable. Mm. And uh, that's the latest trick. And um, yeah. we've we're in the Infinity July catalogue oh, with our brilliant. with our. Yeah. Now, we, now we've got um, a sparkling water. We did the first Instagram post yesterday. Oh, fantastic. I have to look nice. that up. So, um, so Infinity Foods were your first customer. They're still with yep. you now. How's yep. it grown since then? I mean, you, you, I'm, just, I'm obviously sure you've got loads more stockists now, but are, are people appreciating um, the difference between yours and other waters and taking that on board and becoming stockists? Yeah, very much so. Uh, uh, my strength, the, the brand strength, is still the independence. Yeah. Um, and that, that goes across the UK and France, Belgium, Holland, Luxembourg. Uh, the independents have taken it on board because people are what bring about change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, people run corporations, but typically corporations pander to delivering shareholder value at yeah. the expense of ethics in many, t- in many yeah. instances. It's not always the case, and please don't serve me if, if I've just slandered <laughs> you. Um, I've not mentioned but, any names, so that's fine. The the independent <laughs> sector across the, the length and breadth of Britain has been our, our strength. Yeah. And, uh, you know, every summer I'm so proud that there are beach cafes around the yeah. coastlines of Britain who wouldn't dream of yeah. selling anything else. Yeah. So you're supplying a lot of businesses um, in the UK. You s- just mentioned different countries in Europe. Yep. So you... you through Europe then? Yeah, we've got uh, a wonderful distributor, independent distributor yeah. that we work with yeah. uh, in France. Uh, we've got another one that we work with down in the, the south of France, Mon- yeah. Monaco yeah. The, and the uh, the Italian Riviera. Oh, brilliant. So we've got a, a quite a lovely strength um, down in that niche. Yeah. Um, exclusive marketplace it's a quality product and quality will always shine out well it looks lovely the packaging looks very inviting and well to to use your word on the base pure it looks what it is you know it's been designed with love yeah and you can't fake authenticity no no if you're your authentic self they would say that 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 comes through so how talking about the packaging you mentioned the waves at the bottom were to do with your youth and um growing up on those beaches and playing on those beaches um what about the rest of it is there anything else on it that that's particularly inspired by your past or your your goals or anything or ambitions or the the whole design is 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 my life in a box oh really Uh, you've got the planet yeah Uh, you've obviously the ribbon which says spring water that's that's yeah used to denote what's inside 
but then the tree of life with the roots running deep yeah. into the earth. And if, and if you look carefully between the branches of the tree, you see yeah. little hearts. Yeah. Because I wanted the pack to be, to give my love yeah. and yeah. to love the water inside. Uh, you've got the sun's rays rising up from the planet mm. because I wanted it to be an uplifting product. Yeah. I started my business around about the same time as Anya Heinmarsh did that very famous, uh, yes. I am not a plastic bag. Yeah. And given my campaigning roots, it, it would have been very easy to have that waggy finger thing, I am not a plastic bottle. Yeah. I wanted it to be more positive and yeah. uplifting. I, I feel that people, I felt that in creating a brand, bearing in mind I'm a marketer, yeah. in my, my early career yeah. training, I wanted people to jump on board because they have an affinity with yeah. what I'm doing and the quality and yeah. the integrity of the product and indeed the way the product looks. It's yeah. designed with love. It looks beautiful. I know I'm jaundiced, but <laughs> it does look beautiful. Yeah, but that <laughs> it comes, stands out. That comes across in what you say and the way it looks. It comes across like you live and breathe your product. It's not just di designed with a a marketing head in mind, you know, like for a big corporation who's going, right, we need to design a water. How can we design it so it's attractive in itself, you know, as opposed to, you know, design it with all the things that matter to you in it? Yeah. Every single aspect, I mean, aquapax, it's Latin, yeah. water of peace. Yeah. If you're a proper Latin scholar, you'd correct my grammar because it should be Paxus Aquarius. But that didn't work as a brand. Uh, I did <laughs> so, Latin years so, ago. but <laughs> So therefore, you use marketing... Uh, Spin. <laughs> creative license. Yeah. Well, so works. Aquapax, water of peace. And then above the brand name, you see the birds yes. migrating. And nobody tells the birds when to migrate. No, they don't. They do just they? know that it's time to leave the situation we're in to go to somewhere where it will be better for us. Yeah. And that was my interpretation when I put this product on the market, that when people get it, it's not for me to sell it to them. Yeah. When they get it, they will migrate. Yeah. They will stop buying plastic bottles. Yeah. And they will migrate, and that's precisely what's happened. Yeah. The migration has started. It hasn't. There aren't the flocks and hordes of birds <laughs> that are perhaps I anticipated. Yeah, that would come with a much larger marketing budget. Do you think it is changing though? People, I mean, obviously people are becoming more aware of the environment and stuff. Do you think that you know people are making those daily changes where they go? You know, what, I'm not going to buy the plastic bottle. I'm going to buy the Aquapax instead because I know, you know, even if they're sort of subconsciously thinking about, it, they know they're making a more environmentally conscious choice. It's it's definitely changing uh, because we're growing. So yeah. and you know the 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 best market research tool in the world is the cash register. Yes. So uh, providing the cash register keeps ringing, yeah, that means that we're doing something right. Yeah. I think I think the greatest um, uh, forgive the pun, but watering down of the the green message, yeah, is some of the alternative containers out there have quite a high carbon footprint yeah. and, and yes they're not plastic bottles yeah but i think one of the the polit political scientists once said it's all about carbon stupid yeah you know and uh if you're, you're going to rid the world of plastic at the expense of a, a carbon intensive production process to produce an alternative you're kind of missing the yeah. point you talked about about um Greenwashing. Do you think the green mm. message has been lost sometimes along the way, or hijacked, should I say, by larger companies using it 
more as a marketing tool and less as an actual genuine, you know, feature of the product, I suppose. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, offline I would have a conversation with you about <laughs> some of the campaigns that I've seen where the marketing budget has been several times greater than the chari- than what's given yeah. to the charity at the other end yeah. of the equation. Yeah. But if you look at the marketing message, it's all about the charity. Yeah. So, but it was all spent on media. <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit smoke and mirrors at times, I Absolutely. guess. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, talking in the wider context about the issue of plastic bottles in the world, not just for water, but for you know, all sorts of drinks and mm-hmm. products and stuff like that. What do you have any thoughts on, you know, how that problem <clears throat> eventually gets resolved or, you know, what? Not not necessarily you personally, because it's a huge problem, as you say, but are there things you think, initiatives you think that um, companies or governments should be taking or collaborating on to reduce the amount of plastics? Yeah, I mean, plastic has a place, in, and please don't get me wrong, and I don't want to be the spokesperson for the pros of plastics, but it was developed to lightweight glass mm. bottles for the Coca-Cola yeah. company who, who th- felt that they could ship more yeah. from a commercial perspective if it was in plastic. And that, that argument exists, uh, but for a carbonated beverage. Yeah. Whereas for a still beverage, um, it, it rather takes on, you know, a taste is disguised when it's carbonated. Yeah. Whereas a still beverage, y- your taste buds can tell right. the difference. Okay. So what what do you hope to achieve with Aquapacks? What are your future plans for it? You've just launched the sparkling water, so that sounds like that's going going well. But where are you going beyond that? Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, just keep so, doing what you're doing so and push it yeah, forward. I, I mean, COVID changed the world quite significantly. So we were on a growth trajectory at that pre-COVID, mm. and and things changed. Um. Who knows what the future has in store? <laughs> but you're enjoying it by the sounds of it then. I'm comfortable in my skin and our ethics are what we sleep with. Yeah. So, yeah. So you mentioned before children that you used to do lots of walks with your wife. Um, are you at a point now where you can do the, lots of walks with your wife? When you're not doing aquapacks, what do you do, Neil? Uh, I still try to walk. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I cycle with my the kids and yeah. um, and generally work with people to help people i believe in giving back yeah so do you do other stuff out of cycle with the kids giving back do you work with charities at all or do you do anything like that at all i'm a non-exec director of uh, the sussex students union that's university of sussex um and I've, i've stopped mentoring students because long story uh i i was mentoring students for many many years uh in entrepreneurship yeah but the, I like to mentor students who are young students, and I, I find it challenging when I'm mentoring a, an older student yeah. who's perhaps older than me, and I'm trying to give them the benefit of the wisdom of my years. <laughs> yeah, I that just, must seem it, a bit odd, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it just it just felt like odd. I, I'd rather be spending time with my family. Yeah. So you get to spend a bit more time with your family now than do yeah. you walking and stuff. How old are your children? Are they? Uh, I have three. Uh, yeah. The youngest is 13. Yeah. Uh, I have a, uh, the middle one's 17. Yeah. And the older one's 38. <laughs> That's like my other half. He's got children <laughs> in their 40s and we've got a four-year-old. So There we yeah. go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 
it's part called, of life's rich tapestry anyway it's it's called enjoying the journey yeah definitely oh it's lovely to be able to spend time with them isn't it and um yeah. uh, i guess do they appreciate your are they passionate about water quality they understand it and stuff as well no dad's boring <laughs> all dads are boring yes so uh, i mean i, I was a, a far more fun younger dad in the days when we used to go rollerblading through Hyde Park. Yeah. Um, now cycling with my younger son is yeah. is about as fun as dad gets. Yeah. Well, particularly if we go to the uh, off-road park where we do jumps and things like that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So were you London-based originally then? Did you, or have you moved to Sussex or, you know, how long have you been down this way? Uh, Sussex moved down here for for the the water the water roll. Okay, so moved yeah. down from Buckinghamshire. So been down in Sussex for twenty three years now. Yeah, um, sort of Brighton based or just in Sussex in mid, general. Mid Sussex. Mid Sussex. Yeah. Nice Haywards Heath yeah. is is home. Yeah, that's a nice part of the world. Not too far from you, Sonny. No, it's not. Beautiful part. Beautiful part yeah. of the world. Yeah, I feel as though I've come home, having left my roots of Africa at the age of twenty. Yeah. I now feel that I'm home yeah. in Sussex. Do you go back to Africa much, or do you do you miss it a lot? Or I did do, yeah. um, and I went back last year for my niece's, my nephew's wedding. Uh, but I no longer have a, the calling to go back there. Yeah, I lost my younger brother of some time back, oh. and uh, that w- that would have been the big draw. Yeah, yeah. but uh, my older brother is blessed to be able to afford to travel yeah so he comes to visit me yeah. <laughs> well it's a nice place i suppose either way to come and visit isn't it yeah. so best of both worlds so maybe we should ask some questions sunny what do you reckon yeah i think we should <laughs> i'm gonna ask you a couple so what do people miss what do people misunderstand about you the most would you say i think it's growing up Having grown up in South Africa, I still have this this legacy accent, and uh, the South African accent is often mistaken for arrogance. And um, I, I think that's been my greatest. Hold on, that's not that's not me. That's not what I'm like. I speak with confidence and I say things with passion. But arrogance isn't a part of of who I am. So, voila. So your accent, um, is it something that you've tried to lose or is it something you're proud of or is it no. just the way people perceive you then? No, I, I, the thing about accents is, you know, I spend 15 minutes with an Aussie and I start talking like one of them. <laughs> yeah, I sit with a bunch of Kiwis for an evening and my voice starts going up at the end <laughs> of sentences. It, it, it's uh, my ear, I, I'm a mimic, I, yeah. I, th- I think, and it, yeah. it's it's not something I've ever tried to do. Yeah. Um, I... I, I genuinely try to speak with a neutral accent, yeah. and I try to use, I try to pronounce words the way what I heard on the radio is BBC English. Yeah. That's what words sounded like. Yeah. So English was always a strength at school, yeah. and uh, so yeah, I've never tried consciously to change the way I speak. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how people can be so perceived by their accents at times? You know. Um, it's like saying, you know, people with a West Country accent always sound a bit thick or brummy accents when it's completely not true. But those are the, you know, 
those are the qualities. And I remember once a friend saying to me, you speak with a Sussex accent. I was like, do I? I didn't think I did. But obviously I, <laughs> I do, you know, compared to she went to private school and has speaks like she's got a plum in her mouth, you know. So yeah. um, it does vary. It's interesting that uh, that's how some, some people might perceive your South African accent, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so moving on, what's your favourite childhood memory? I know you talked about the beaches and stuff, but is, is that your favourite memory or is there something specific that you have? Swimming underwater. No one taught me how to swim. Ah, okay. And I used to play in the paddling pool and the rock pools, this yeah. is paddling pools yeah. in the sea. And my dad was a, a great sea fisherman. My father yeah. was in, my mum and dad both born and raised in England. Okay. So, so they were expat living yeah. in, in South Africa, raising a family. And we'd go to the beach every single weekend. Yeah. And um, my dad would be fishing off the rocks. Mm. My older brother would be swimming in the water my mum would be supervising my older brother swimming uh, my younger brother in her arms and I would be playing in the water and I, I recall quite vividly watching through goggles you know, putting my head under the water yeah. and watching how people swam yeah and when I figured it out I put the goggles on and I went yeah. swimming past my mum and and she she's sort of still recounts the tale she's 89 <laughs> now she still talks about it how neil just came swimming past us all oh brilliant and underwater of yeah. course you know because uh, that was what i was witnessing yeah. i was seeing how people could swim yeah. how old were you then sorry sorry yeah I, I, th I think if if my younger brother who he was 23 months younger than me so i couldn't have i, I couldn't have been more than three wow that's pretty Pretty so, something to learn to do at that age. I'm a yeah. water baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're clearly very connected to the water in every, in every way. Sea yeah. water and drinking water. Um, so, how come your parents um, um, migrated to um, uh, South Africa? Gosh, now there's another podcast. Um, <laughs> so, my mum and dad grew up in the north of England. Yeah. Uh, my mum describes herself as a Lancashire lass. Yeah. With a Liverpool postcode. My dad grew up in the heart of Liverpool, within a spit of Anfield, as he used to describe it. And um, he, he he had an unfortunate accident as a child where um, he had boiling, scalding water on his leg, oh, which meant he couldn't play football for yeah. Liverpool. So therefore he applied himself to studies. And my father was, for all intents and purposes, a genius. He had two engineering degrees and... Uh, he was probably the brightest graduate of the largest employer in Liverpool at the time, which was Tate and Lyle, the, the sugar company. Yeah. Uh, Tate and Lyle, big in sugar. Um, yeah. My father, a, a young man with two engineering degrees, won the prize role to be to go out to South Africa and set up sugar mills. Uh, okay. But they needed a married man. Yeah. Because they didn't want one of their own running off with the locals. <laughs> and so he asked my mum to marry her and took her out to South Africa at the tender age of 19, oh, where wow. they raised four children and made a life for themselves. Yeah. And is your mum still out there as well? Or is no, she no. back in the UK? They, so I came to back to England, having spent a year studying in the States at the age of 17, realized that I lived in a police state, yeah. went back and just could not settle in yeah. South Africa. Yeah. So did my marketing course and then left yeah. before I would have had to have gone and played soldiers for two years, uh, right. protecting a regime I didn't support. Yeah. Uh, 
that was quite a big influence on my younger sister, yeah. who then followed her brother over, okay. the glamorous brother, the one who went to America. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she followed me. I don't think my parents ever forgave me for that. And, you know, when, when you're my mum, yeah. who's had three sons and her only baby daughter has yeah. left and gone to live in England with yeah. her middle son, my mum and dad followed. Yeah. And uh, we sadly lost my dad 22 years ago. But uh, my mum's, as I say, 89 now, and she lives down in Southampton with my sister. Oh, brilliant. So she's, she's close to your sister then? Very, yeah. yeah. We're a close family, despite yeah. the fact that we've been scattered yeah. to the winds for some time. Well, just because it's physically distant doesn't mean you're you know, emotionally or mentally distant, does it? Especially these days, it's much easier to keep in touch with everyone. Absolutely agree with you. WhatsApp is a brilliant thing. Yeah, WhatsApp is great for that sort of stuff. So moving on, what what does your morning routine look like, Neil? Are you an early riser or are you a sort of night owl? I'm an, I'm definitely a night owl. Yeah. Uh, but as I get older, I find myself an earlier riser. Earlier riser, yeah. Yeah, I used to be an early ri- early riser when I was surfing, but yeah. um, that's that's long gone. <laughs> morning routine depends on who's on duty. Yeah. My wife and I divide the duties, so if I'm on duty, I'm up and making the tea and bringing it upstairs yeah. and getting the kids up. Pardon me? Um, if if I'm off duty, I'll stay in bed and do emails, read the newspaper, do Wordle. Yeah. And Wordle, I don't my wife will morning. bring me the cup of tea. <laughs> it's very addictive, isn't it? Yeah. But I've I, never I, done that, ever. Have uh, you not? Yeah, no, you should. It's very should. addictive. I like Scrabble, but... It's completely it. addictive. Yeah. Really. yeah. I got it in three this morning. Right. <laughs> I'll have to try it out then at the weekend. Sorry, I digress. Come on. Yeah. So, so th- the brilliant thing about mobile phones is that they, when you run your own company, they do give you the ability to respond to urgent things yeah. before you get out of bed. Yeah. Literally, while the kettle's on and you're brewing a cup of tea, you can reply to emails. Yeah, because you mentioned earlier on that you um, run an out outsourced um, based business to you yeah. so you don't have direct staff as such I guess correct so how, how does that work um, do you have a because you said about the, um, the plant in Peterborough is that that's so right I work with best of breed providers right. so I have a, two very capable warehouses in yeah. Peterborough um, one is a pallet distribution yeah. warehouse pallet storage mm. and distribution warehouse the other is a very capable pick and pack warehouse yeah. uh, 3PL they call them yeah third-party logistics and uh, so anything that we sell online is fulfilled through the 3PL workshop uh, warehouse and um, the majority of 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 orders are dispatched to wholesale resellers yeah and those go out in pallet volumes directly to um, to the the wholesalers in question I see then my international customers, we we supply them directly from the factory, yeah. X Works. So uh, they they place the orders. We pl- we place the orders, and then following the quality checks at the end of the production process, we release them with a consignment note, yeah. and they collect their goods. Okay. So um, if you're outsourcing things, um, being as your background is in marketing. Do you outsource that or do you do all that yourself? Do you like to keep control of that yourself? 
controls one of those words. I still interfere. <laughs> okay, I still interfere. Enough, yeah. But um, I, I think you've you got to stay down with the kids. Yeah. So you, you, you have to have younger people to, to yeah. look at your marketing in order to stay relevant. Yeah, no, I guess so, because it does change, doesn't it? And the way they think, I mean, sometimes the way my kids think, I honestly don't understand how they think yeah. at times, but I suppose that that's generations for you, isn't it? And I have very, very little affinity with Instagram and Facebook, and God forbid you ever see Aquapax on TikTok, even though we registered an account. Oh, I know, TikTok <laughs> is one of those things, it's like, I mean, I, same as you, I have, I have, I'm on TikTok now for business, but I find it very tedious and then you go on there and you see these videos and I just think why on earth are people recording these videos it's utter dross yeah. and it's like 30 seconds of your life you're never going to get back when you've watched this video of somebody dancing around to whatever song it is and I, I, I know it's a huge market but I don't and I know it's sort of good for business but I don't see the point of it personally. Yeah I, I've registered an account for the for one of my brands and uh, we've done absolutely nothing with it yeah just no, just nothing at all it's 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 just beyond me i'm afraid well i think we've got well, i i don't count but i think there's definitely over five thousand followers on instagram but i don't think we've ever had a sale so on instagram no we get sales from the website yeah but i can't i don't think i can attribute any to a click from no. from instagram so mm, interesting which makes it easy because you don't have to spend money marketing on that forum <laughs> no that's we're, true we're getting to the, to the end of the uh, podcast uh, so we've basically got time for a couple of more pe- questions so i'll do uh, this one and then i'll let sure. give you the last one so um uh, what is the most important lesson you've learned over your career Get rid of time wasters as quickly as you can, without being unkind. But um, I think my nature is to try and help people. But I'm guilty of having spent far too much of my time and energy trying to help other people at the expense of my own business. I think we all do that a, um, a, a lot of the time. It's hard to say no to people. Invariably, we do say yes. I think you just described yourself as a nice person. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, apart from when uh, people don't pay us on time for invoicing, then I can turn quite grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the same as anyone, I guess. You can all do that, can't we? <laughs> I know. It's, it's difficult, though. You've got to try and be nice at times, but it, you don't want to be nice at the expense of your own business sometimes. Yeah. You've got to weigh it up, haven't you? Indeed. And if you just think of the temperature out there at the moment, and, uh, I mean, every single day at least a dozen begging mm. emails, begging for water for this noble charity and that noble charity. And every charitable cause has, a, has somebody with something behind it and yeah. a reason for existing. But the model for giving away free water is a, is a surefire model to, to destitution yeah. and bankruptcy. <laughs> so, and uh, I try to respond to each of them though. Yeah. I find the same thing with um, gingerbreads at Christmas. I get loads of mm. emails of people saying, oh, could you just donate to this school or this yeah. charity? And I find it really hard and I feel so horrible mm. emailing them back going, I'm really sorry, but I have a couple of charities that I support mm. officially. And that's why I have to say I'm already committed to those charities because you can't, as you say, you're running a business. You're not just giving it away. So there's a limit to how much you can do. Well, as, as, as Sunny said, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So we'll do one last quick question. What's one thing your business venture did that you did expect uh, succeeded in marketing what is essentially a German 
wonderful, wonderful quality German yeah. natural mineral water to the French. <laughs> That's not something I set out to do. Uh, you know, France is the one of the oldest natural water markets yeah. on the planet. The French are incredibly discerning. Uh, I will give them this, that they have very, very good taste buds and they don't compromise on quality. They're also quite a internal producer, if you like. A lot of their stuff is produced na- yeah. nationally rather than internationally, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you'll notice there's some French on the pack out of respect uh, from, okay. for, for my market, for, yeah. my, for my customers. That's a nice touch. I hadn't noticed that, but I will look. Yeah. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming in, Neil. It's been a, a pleasure to talk to you and find out all about Aquapax. And we wish you all the best with uh, your plans for the future and the sparkling water launch as well. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been wonderful to listen to the uh, the, the story and also about the uh, the casting itself, you know, and all the stories based around it, the images and stuff, which I, I hadn't fully appreciated. No, I love the fact there's so a I'm whole going story to be behind at that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The sunshine and, and the hearts on the trees. I'm going to be looking a lot closer at it now. And, um, yeah, thank you very much for coming in. Um, so, yeah, we're finishing this um, final podcast of the day. So it's ba- basically been for Hubbub. Um, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people um, for the Directors Hub Founders Support Club. Um, thank you very much, Faye, for joining us as co-host um, for the day from Bryson Cakes and to Neil from Aquapax. Thank you. And thank you for making it as painless as possible. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you. Bye. Hubbub, the Directors Hub podcast, sponsored by the Sussex Business Show. <laughs>